0: Welcome to the City of Refuge Church Podcast. We are so excited that you have joined us. We are a church that is called, connected, and commissioned. We want to call all people to repent and believe in our Savior's loving grace. We want to connect our neighborhood to the unity found in the greater family of Christ. We want to commission others to live as kingdom citizens before the world and heaven. And we hope that this podcast gives you a glimpse of what God is doing in us and in the Eau Claire community. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, So that's my quick spill real quick on on membership. Let's dive into our sermon today as we continue our time in the book of 1 Corinthians, Life Together. And our sermon today is called The Building Blocks of Faith. Uh, Something I like to do in my pastime is I drive around Uh, Just drive around the city to clear my head. One thing I've noticed and maybe many of you have been noticing while driving through the city is that we're experiencing a great number of new homes and apartment buildings being constructed all over our city. Uh, Even down the road, we have a new apartment building coming that's going to have about 288 units in it. This shows Columbia is starting to see a pretty steady amount of growth in this season. We're going to have a lot of new families coming around quickly, and we want to make sure that we have our feet on the right ground as a new ground is being put in place for them. And if you haven't haven't seen how new homes are constructed, it's quite a bit of work that goes into it. Uh, I actually Googled all the steps of how to build a new home. Uh, if you're like me, I like to go to Home Depot and be like, I could build a house. There's no problem. I got it. Let's go. All I need some concrete, some wood, some, I got it. Let's build a house. Don't ever let me build a house, y'all, okay? <laughs> My wife tells me all the time I'm better at destroying than fixing. So... But the steps that go into building a new house, they have to prepare the construction site, clear the land, and then they have to pour a solid foundation. After pouring this foundation, they start to build a rough framing, putting up wood to kind of show how the house will be structured and then they put in some rough plumbing right after, and a little bit of electrical and HVAC, and then they install installation. All this internal work taking place before they even get to the exterior parts of the house. They complete drywall, and then they put some fixtures in, and then they start to think about the exterior. And then they finish all the interior trim. Install exterior walkways, driveways. If you haven't caught on yet, this is a very tedious process to build a home. If you've ever built a house or worked on construction, you know how much details go into it. It's a very tedious process. And it will be foolish for them to use cheap material because they hope that these properties will weather the storms in the test of time. If it's that much work to build a house that we can see, I ask you this, how much work is it to build our faith what we can't see? This is actually what Paul is getting into today. He's kind of starting this process of showing what does it look like to build on top of a steady foundation of Christ crucified. Over the past few chapters, he's saying, don't look for worldly wisdom. Don't look to all these things to build your life on. But first and foremost, your life must start at Christ crucified. This is what he got in and what he was speaking of in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance, or brilliance of speech or wisdom. No, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ crucified. And he's continuing on this thought of how this world's wisdom is not a wisdom for us to build our life on. And that the leaders that they are following, if they're following these leaders because of the persuasion of their speech versus what they're speaking of, you are leading your life to a way of foolishness. But Paul says, No. According to God's grace that was given to me, what I have come to do is just laid a firm foundation as a skilled builder and another builds on it. What is this skilled foundation he's talking about? Well, it's what he's been talking about for the whole, for the past three chapters. I came preaching Christ crucified. I came preaching Christ crucified. I came preaching Christ crucified because at the end of the day, this is the only thing that justifies. Christ crucified. His death on the cross is the propitiation for our sins. This is the only thing that can justify us. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ crucified alone. And Paul is saying, I want to make a big deal about this. the, The beginning of the building of a house of our faith, the foundation of our faith must start there. That Jesus Christ has made you right before a holy God. But then he goes on and says, but then there's those who will come after the foundation I have laid, and each one will build on top of that, but they must do it very carefully. They must do it very methodically, very tedious." For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid. The foundation is Christ. What he's referring to here is, hey, Apollos is now leading this Corinthian church. He's been preaching persuasively, and he's been preaching great truths. But that truth is built on top of this one truth, who Christ is, what Christ has done. So what he's getting out in these first two verses is your foundation is your justification in Christ. Family, if you believe that Christ has been crucified on your behalf, I want to give you good news. You have been justified. Your sins have been dealt with. You now are made holy before a holy God. But he says, but it doesn't stop after justification. No, we move into this wonderful thing called sanctification. And sanctification is a slow and steady and methodical process that we must build on our faith in Christ very carefully, very cautiously, and we want to make sure that we're using the right building blocks to build this faith up. Looking at verses 12, he starts to talk about these building blocks. He says, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, Wood, hay or straw. right here, what he's doing is he's alluding to the first temple that Solomon built in First Chronicles. In First Chronicles chapter 29, verses one through two, when David was nearing the end of his life, he told his people, "God has set my son Solomon. He's chosen him alone." And yes, he's young and inexperienced. and the task before him is great. Because the building would not be built for a human, but for the Lord. God, he's saying, I, my, my, God has called my son Solomon to do such a great task, a wonderful task, but a difficult task, especially for someone as young and as inexperienced as him. But this is not for his glory. This is not for his story, but this is for the Lord. He's allu- uh, Paul is alluding to this time when Solomon started to build the temple to God because he's saying this is a difficult task and he often gives it to some ex- inexperienced and young people, but he gives it to them so that they can steward it well. And he goes on as he talks about the gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. He says, David in First Chronicles, Chapter 29, verse 1 through 2, he says, So to the best of my ability I have made provision for the house of God. Gold for the gold artifacts, articles, um, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx, stones for mounting, anoint test- uh, an, an-, an-, an- anatomy, autonomy, uh, stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and a great, Quantity of marble. What David was doing as he was preparing to send Israel off to follow after, uh, after Solomon to build this temple was he saying, I am giving you the best of the best of the best material so that this temple can be built to glorify God. And why Paul is alluding there is he's saying that is the same thing that has happened as our faith is being built up. God wants us to put the best of the best of the best of our resources, our time, our energy, the valuable building material to make sure that our faith stands the test of time. That's why he goes through this list of gold, silver, costly stones, wood. You see this hard and strong material, but then he goes hay or straw. Now, you may be asking, okay, all this material that he's listing out, what does that mean for us? Well, I think the the valuable material that the church has always been built on since the very beginning can first be seen in Acts chapter 2. Verse 41 through 42, after all came to believe, 3,000 came to believe, they were baptized. And on that day, thousands were added. And this is what they devoted themselves to. This is the weightier matter of the things that we devote ourselves to. And this is a reflection of what we as City of Refuge and in our personal life should devote ourselves to. They devoted themselves first to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. If we were to break that up into four categories, they devoted devoted themselves first to the word of God. We should be a people devoted to the word of God. Paul tells his apprentice Timothy in 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16 through 4, uh, chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, he says, All scripture is inspired by God. And is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped to every good work. So what Paul is telling Timothy is, hey, this right here is God breathing on us. Every time you read it, every time it's preached, every time we open it, we should be reminded that these words are the very words of God to man we have what they like to call a 66 love a 66 book love letter written to God's people from the very beginning of Israel to the conception of the church and to the end of the age we have words that will we can live and die by cuz they're profitable for us they're good material they're profitable first for teaching teaching us how to become more godly, how to live more godly, how to follow Christ and become more godly as we reflect on his word and he transforms us through the renewing of our mind, through his word as the spirit works in us. For rebuking. And when we hear rebuke these days, it's like that's a bad word. But rebuke is telling you you're wrong. You're getting out of alignment with who Christ has called you to be. And he's trying to tell you, get back in alignment. The word of God is the only measure of truth that we can do that holds us in this tension of how to live correctly before the Lord. For correcting, meaning wiping away those mistakes that we've made through his grace and putting us back on the right track. And for training in righteousness, we are being built up. We are being sanctified. We are being changed. Family, do you realize that we are being changed slowly and surely through God's word so we can look more like God's son? This is why the scriptures have been laid out. This is why Paul has said, Timothy, this is first and utmost what you should dedicate your time to. And these are the building blocks that he's telling the Corinthian church what they should dedicate themselves to. It's the costly thing. It's the great material because this right here will weather the test of time. The word of God will weather the test of time. Isaiah said it best in his prophecies. He says the grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the word of God, our God remains forever. This is why, as a church, we dedicate so much time and so much effort to every time we get together, I hope that we're reading the scriptures together. We're encouraging each other through the scriptures. When we come together on Sunday, you're not going to hear some motivational speech. We're going to say, thus saith the Lord. When we come together for Bible study, we're going to say, hey, let's get into God's word. Yes, we want to fellowship and enjoy each other, but we want to admonish each other on through God's word. When we come together for men's and women's fellowship, we open God's word. Why? Because we believe that God's word has power. And it truly does equip us for everything we need. It prepares us, it completes us, it makes us whole. And as a church, that is what we want to dedicate as a building block of our faith. But I pray that not just as a church, but individually, you would dedicate your time to the word of God. You would see it as something serious to know and learn, and there's not a day when you're like, "I got it, I know it all now." You ever be reading your scriptures like, "Wait a minute, I ain't never seen that verse before." As a pastor, even I, I opened the Word and was like, "Man, I've, I've never seen that. Where did that come from?" But this is why we must pour over it day and night because it is living and it truly will change us. If I was to tell you um, a millionaire was going to be in this place, and he's going to tell you how to become a millionaire tomorrow, how many, would you come, how many of you would come flocking? Oh, okay, y'all yeah, ain't got to talk about yourself. I'll be <clears> there. <throat> but the word of God is the creator of all heavens and earth, telling us how we can have a holy relationship with him and how to understand all the holy things that he has put before us. Why do we not come flocking? Is it because we believe the word of God is not enough? That it does not transform us? Family, let us be a people that devote ourselves to the valuable things, the valuable material, the word of God. But not just the word of God. It should be the center of all things. But as it is the center, it also brings in the fellowship of the saints. Why do the saints come together? For both encouragement and correction. Look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 with me. It says, let the word of Christ dwell deeply, dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. There is this admonishment as the word is transforming us. We come together and we admonish each other in his word, in his truth. We encourage each other. When when I am dealing with difficult times, I should be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, tell me why Jesus is good right now. Can you admonish me with his word? Can you remind me of his truth? And you should be able to pick up the phone and call one another. You should be able to show up for one another, to love one another, to open God's word. Now, this doesn't mean if you don't know the scriptures that well that you're not qualified. No. If it's only one scripture you have read, even if it's just Jesus wept, then show up and say Jesus wept so we could be reminded and encouraged that Jesus weeps so that we can weep with one another. This is why God's people who focus on the word of God surround themselves with other people who focus on the word of God so that we can admonish one another. But it's not just for encouraging encouragement during difficult times, but it's also correction when we are getting out of line. That's what a writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be any among any of you, uh, any, it won't be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But how do we not turn away from the living God? But encourage each other daily while it's still called today. So that no one is, or no one of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ, if we hold firmly until the end of the end reality that we had at start, that we had at the start. So the writer of Hebrews was saying, the way that our hearts don't turn cold before the Lord is God's people come and remind us of the Lord. The way that we don't become cold towards each other is that when we come around each other, we encourage each other every day as long as today is called today. Is there ever a day that won't be today? (laughs) He's saying, this is what you do so that your heart won't be deceived. You get around each other. You encourage each other. Family, how many of you have devoted your time to not just building your faith, and your understanding of the word, but also devoted yourself to saying, I'm going to reach out and connect with someone else so that we can build each other up through God's word. This is the power of discipleship. This is why as a church we celebrate discipleship, because we say we want to make the main thing the main thing, Jesus Christ crucified, and how he told us to live this thing out, and how the church has lived this thing out since the very beginning. And this is what the author of Hebrews is telling us to do. So what is these building material that Paul is talking about, these costly building materials in, in 1 Corinthians? He's saying the word of God is a building material. The fellowship of the saints is a building material. But then he goes on, prayer is a building material. Because what did the church devote themselves to from the very beginning? It was the word of God to community, to prayer, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. He's saying God's people are praying people. They're just not a a build up their head knowledge people, but they are praying people interceding on each other's behalf. Family, we should be a praying people. Caring about the needs of each other praying, uh, caring about the issues going on in each other's life. We should be a praying people seeking the good of each other all the days of our life. Jesus even said when he flipped over the tables in the temple that my my house should be a house of prayer, not a house of bandits who is keeping others out from worshiping. This is why he flipped the tables over, because they were keeping people away. He said, no, this should be a place of prayer where people are invited in, and we care for one another. (coughs) Excuse me. So we are praying people who devote our time to God's word, to communing together as saints, and to praying for one another. And lastly, we are a remembering people. We remember these things through the act of sacraments. It's funny, I got asked this morning, how often do we do sacraments, uh, do communion? I was like, we're going to weekly. We're going. We're getting there. We're going to go to weekly. Just as Anglican heart just got happy. Uh, (laughs) We're going to go to the weekly sacrament soon, but right now, because of just... Uh, the administration and time it would take to prepare the sacraments every Sunday, we've decided to do it once a month for right now. But we will be going to weekly soon. But look at what Paul writes later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26, when he talks about the communion table, the sacraments that's been laid out. He says, for I have received from the Lord what I have also passed on to you. On the night when, our, when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is, which is for you. Do this in remembrance with me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are remembering people and we do that through the sacraments. These are the building blocks that the church was always built on from the very beginning. And I pray it's the building block that we will continue to build upon. And it's the building blocks that will stand the test of time to the very end until that day when he comes. This is just a normal means of grace. It might not look flashy, it might not look special, but guess what? These are the things that have stood the test of time. These are the materials that God has left for us, and God's people have continued to flourish even as they stumbled along. These are what God has always centered his people back on. This is why Paul says take value, pay pay attention to what you build with. What you build on this great foundation of Christ crucified with. Now, if there's good material, what, what's the bad material? He talks about hay or straw. What are these materials? And I will say these, some of these are more opinion-based versus scriptural-based. I think we can make an argument for it. But here are some things I think that will pass away that just won't stand the test of time. Church gimmicks. How many people have seen church at the movies? Not picking on any church, not saying it's an evil thing, but church gimmicks just don't stand the test of time. Self-centered doctrine and preaching that's all about you. A, a, a recent uh, word that's been used is "narcissus." Every time I read the scriptures, I'm like, that's me right there. That's me right there. We're never the centers of the story. Y'all know that? Like, we're always David defeating giants. We're never the giant that need to be defeated so that David can... Anyway... Self-centered doctrine and preaching that's all about you. Yes, we should be able to apply the text to us, but we should always be reminded that the text first and foremost points to Christ crucified. And points us back to the truth of who he is so that we can find our life in him and not in what we can do. Feel good slogans that carry no weight or substance. You know, feel good slogans like if you just believe it, you can achieve it. Scriptures that's been taken out of of context. Philippians, I can do all three things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, we can do all things through Christ, I mean, do all things through text that's taken out of context. These things are like hay and straw. They will burn away. And lastly, for us who don't turn off our TV, the latest political arguments that we're being fed from talking heads on TV, they just don't stand the test of time. Everything will change over and over. And every time life circumstances come, if we hold on to these, we will fold. This is why we want to make sure that the material this church is being built on, this church and our lives, and not just our church. We seek to see all churches built on the same material. That we look to what is Not just the foundation, because Christ should be the foundation, but what is the focus from the foundation that will help sanctify the saints. Sadly, because sometimes we get so caught up in the fleeting material, the hay and straw, the passage, we end up seeing a church full of goats instead of sheep. Charles Spurgeon said it best. He says, a time will come when instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have, the cl- have clowns entertaining the goats. Meaning a time will come when people don't think the means of grace are valuable, so they run to everything else to find their pleasures, but yet it's leading them astray. And it's making the church dwindle. Maybe num- not numerically, but Spiritually. So t- sad time when I talk to uh, people that go to other churches, you know, I, and and they're telling me, and, I, and I, I want you to hear this. I never want to downplay the church. I never want to downplay any church. But when I hear people saying, "Well, they don't really preach the Bible that much, but I like the music," that's a scary. That's a scary state to be in. And they say, well, yeah, they don't get into all to that theology stuff, but you know, the production's good. Wait, slow down. Is this something to build your life on? Family, even here at this church, when you hear me preach, you should ask the question what is our faith being built up with here? I want you to even put me under scrutiny. If it seems that I'm going away from the text and I'm more focused on my own, uh, uh, my own agendas, put me under scrutiny. But also ask yourself, what's building up your faith? What are you spending time listening to to build up your faith with? The reason why this is so important, because all fa- all that we build our faith will will be tested. Look at verses 13 through 15 in first corinthians 13 through 15 it says each one's work will become obvious for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by a fire and the fire will the fire will test the quality of each one's work if anyone's if anyone works anyone's work that he has, he has built survives he will receive a reward But if anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. What Paul is saying here is, hey... The test of time is coming for every work, everything we invest our time into, energy into, what we build our life on. The time will come. The storms will arise. And the only things that are truly sanctified by God, set in place by him, only his material will last. <clears throat> Not your favorite quotes, your favorite slogans. Those things will fell short when the day comes. But God's word, as we said earlier in Isaiah, grass withers, flowers fade, the word of God will stand forever. The only thing that will stand the test of time is what is built on Christ, what is stabilized in him, what materials we invest so that we can become more like him through our sanctification process. Because the test will come. Storms will arise. Depression will set in. Fires will break out. Sickness will come. Things will break. Our lives will hit a wall. But if we are holding on to Christ, even when we hit the wall, we will not fall. This is what Jesus told his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. He says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and act on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Yeah, the rain fell. The rivers rose. The winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse. Why? Because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and don't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rain fell. The rivers rose. The winds blew and pounded that house. And it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. First and foremost, the foundation we must build on is Christ crucified, putting all of our hope in his salvific work that was perfected at the cross. It is done. As he said, it is finished. After we put our trust in him, we learn his ways and we practice and live out his ways so that when life hits, we remind who holds us together. This is why we put so much effort in following Christ, not just in knowledge of saying, yeah, he's my savior, but he's also our king. Who leads us to all truths and tells us where we could put our life and hold, how to hold on to Him. And as we come together, we encourage each other to hold on to Him. And when life hits, we come around each other and we point each other back to Him and we say, This is how we will stand the test of time. Family, what are you building your faith on? Paul. Starts to end out this conversation on being about the temple that's being built. Last week, he focused on the field that was being planted. This week, from the field, he's moving to the house. He says, Value what you build your faith with because of the one who dwells in it. Verse 16, he said, Don't you yourself know that you are God's temple? And that the spirit of God lives in you because we value the one who has saved us and the spirit that lives in us. This is why we dedicate ourselves to being more holy because of the one who dwells in us, who lives in us, the one who holds us together. This is why we spend so much time talking about Christ crucified, talking about his spirit, talking about the fellowship of the saints, talking about these things, because this is the one who dwells in us. Who we now get to be in His presence for all the days of our lives, and this is why when we come together, this isn't just us coming to to a place to do a thing, to sing a few nice songs. To hear an encouraging word. I hope the word is encouraging, but it's it's so much more than that. Matter of fact, Peter talks about the spiritual house being built up in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. He says, you yourselves are living stones, a spiritual house being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. What he's saying is you yourself as spiritual people, God now dwells in you, and you are being put together so that every Everything we do is an offering to Him. We're offering everything we have to the one who offered everything on our behalf. Because at the end of the day, we have nothing if we don't have Him. Everything we have will fall away. Everything we have will flee away. Ecclesiastes said it's vapor, it's nothing, it's nothing. Yet in Christ, we have everything. Because we have his presence with us. We have his spirit with us, and we are being built together to be with him forever. This is why we focus so much on what these foundational things are that's building us up so that we can trust this faith. I ask you today, I keep asking the same question, what are you building your faith on? Are you coming here because you have a charismatic preacher? Hey, I appreciate it, but I'm not that great. I I care more about what's being preached from this pulpit versus who preaches it. Are you coming today because you got some good friends here? I'm glad you got some good friends here. I'm hoping they're encouraging you to follow the one who was the true friend. Closer than any friend. What are you here for today? What are you building your faith on? Now before Paul transitions to talk about what, you, what this, these building blocks are, these, this good material that's building up our faith, there's a warning in verse 17. That's an interesting warning that will bleed over into next week. He warns those who seek to destroy instead of build. Verse 17, if anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. What Paul is doing right now, he was, this whole time he's been talking about how he and Apollos and other leaders should be building this good material to make sure that the temple of God, the people of God, are being built up in their faith. But now he's starting to focus on, now there's some divisive people here too. There's some problematic people here that think that the foundation I built with Christ crucified ain't enough. Family. If you ever feel as though preaching of Jesus Christ crucified, his gospel being preached is not enough for the saints. I want to let you know you are actually a divisive person, not a helpful person. You're actually leading many to destruction versus helping them be built up. This is why Paul spent so much time talking about the foundation because, he said, because there's those who think this foundation ain't enough and there's those who come in here and they think they're doing good work but really they're destroying God's temple. This is why even as we think about our theologies and we learn of God's word, we should be careful how we wrestle through things in front of people because we might become more divisive than helpful. We might end up telling people that it's Jesus plus, as Leah likes to so, much, so often say. But it's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus crucified. He is all. And now here's how we look more like him. If you are here today and you are focused on building your faith, make sure you evaluate what you're building your faith with. And if you feel that the simple means of grace are not enough to build up your faith, I would encourage you, repent. Turn to the one, turn to the one that says, follow my ways. Trust me, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Follow Christ, for he is enough. And he is the saving one we should put all of our hope in. Are you building your faith on Christ? Christ crucified, and on his ways. Are you looking for another way? If you're looking for another way, let me tell you, that won't build your faith. It will destroy it in the long run. Turn to Christ and trust in his foundation. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray as we sang earlier, Christ alone he is our strong foundation. He is the one we could build our faith on and trust in. His words and His words alone, Him, how He has empowered His people and given His, his inerrant word to build our faith upon. That we will slowly and surely be transformed by the renewing of our mind as we look to Your words. And Father, if there's those here today who may be looking to other words to try to find hope outside of your word, Father, I pray that you will prick their hearts and draw them back to yourself today, Mm -hmm. that you will help them to look upon you as beautiful again. If they have never looked at you as beautiful, Father, I pray that you will prick their hearts and help them to see you as beautiful. Father, I repent for the times when I have strayed away from thinking there is other ways to grow my faith. Yes. I am so thankful that you have continuously said, no, my word, stand on it, trust in it, go to my people, confess sins to them, and be forgiven as we pour out on each other your words, admonish each other in your truth. Lord, I pray that is the testimony of City of Refuge. I pray that is the testimony of your people today that we will continue to look at you and follow your ways as you're making us holy for that day when our, our faith will become face to face. So, Lord, I pray that your word was preached clearly today, that your people have been steered today to care for your word today and to love your ways today, and that they will leave this place looking more like you today. And as we prepare to worship you, lifting these praises up to you, let it be a sweet aroma, because when you look down at us, you see you today. We thank you, Lord, that we are a holy people, set apart for your glory. And we pray that you would continue to clean us and purify us in the many days to come. We lift all these things up to you. In your son Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Would you please stand and continue.